next Saturday I will be officiating a wedding for a couple and just three weeks after that our youngest nephew will be, uh, will be married. And you can imagine all the preparation that goes into that. Many of you have been there, maybe you're in the midst of planning it right now. And you think, boy, I just can't wait till the day because it'll be so much easier. And that's true, it probably would be. But just think about it, all the invitations that are sent, the preparation, ordering the meal, finding the venue for the reception, and just all of that work that goes into preparing uh, for, for a wedding. And you know, it, there's that love, there's that investment that you have in one another because you're family. But we have a relationship with God through his son Jesus. And tonight we're going to be talking about a meal that he prepared for each one of us. Jesus' whole life was about reaching out to the oppressed, reaching out to sinners, reaching out to the outcast, and offering them the free gift of eternal life through what he would accomplish uh, on the cross. And those of us who have taken that step and received that gift have received forgiveness. We've received that promise of eternal life. And we are able to communion, to have communion with that genuine love that Jesus gives to us. For us who respond to that love, um, he offers an inv invitation. And that's an invitation to a meal. It's a special meal. It's a meal that Jesus himself organized for us. Tonight we're going to look at a passage in Luke chapter 22. And in that passage, it speaks of the meal that Jesus prepares for us. And the whole idea of, of this is that Jesus' meal is for everyone who belongs to him. For everyone who belongs to him. If you belong to Jesus, you're on the invitation list, and you want to be there for that. Throughout the last few weeks, we've been uh, on a series called Soul Food, and it's all about those meals that have been taken with Jesus, where he is inviting people. Sometimes he's confronting people, but you see the love that is being poured out for those who would, who would come to that meal. This meal is a lasting meal. It was a meal that was started by Jesus and since Pentecost, the founding of the church in Acts, it has been observed by believers for over 2,000 years. And they come, some do it every week, some every other week, some once a month like us, but yet it's a meal that is here for all of us to enjoy. And some of the, the points of the reality of this meal is that it, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of the broken body of our Savior, how he died on a cross, and how he shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. The Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so as we come tonight, as we remember the cross of Christ today and what he did for us, and about how he gave us this meal, we can remember to celebrate the importance, the importance of what he has done. So what is the significance of the Lord's Supper? Um, you know, for especially for us in this century, we're so far removed from that first night when Jesus met with his disciples. And I think from this passage, there are three specific ways 
that believers can interact with Jesus. And that first one is just simply preparation. Preparation to be ready to partake of the supper. Let me read the passage for you here. Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 7. It says, Then, then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and they found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. We've probably all seen the Leonardo da Vinci painting of the Last Supper, or Peter, uh, Peter Paul Rubens, of that, those iconic pictures uh, artists have drawn to depict it. That is just an idea of what that upper room may have been. But when we look back at that, and he says unleavened bread, it's, it's synonymous with the Passover. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament and how that was instituted in Exodus chapter 12, we read that at the end of all the plagues, God told Moses to communicate to the people, tell them to kill a lamb, and on each side of the doorpost, put blood and on the lintel, put blood. And when death comes to all of the firstborn of Egypt, I will pass over you. I will pass over you. That was important. And in that meal, there was the lamb that was roasted. There were the bitter herbs. There were those things that made that meal important. And throughout history, the Jewish nation has observed Passover. And tonight, we worship that Passover lamb. His name is Jesus. And there's details. Just like the weddings I was telling you about, there are details. The invitations. He said, how do we know which room? Look for a man carrying a jar of water. Men didn't carry jars of water back then. That was a woman's job, okay? And so it was very specific on where to find it. And then they went to the up to the upper room and it was prepared and those disciples prepared the meal for the rest of the dis disciples. It was a prearranged signal. Look for the man with that, with that jar on his head. And it wasn't just any location. Folks, it was a prepared location. Jesus knew where it was and he was directing his disciples there. You know, my wife and I, she is like the consummate hostess. She has that gift of hospitality, and we love to have people in our home, in our room, in our, in our dining room. And the houses that we've lived in, we've had to have large dining rooms. We've had those dining room sets. But all day long, she's preparing that meal, and she's prepping it for the guest. And when they get there, she looks as fresh as she, a fresh-cut flower. I mean, you couldn't even tell she'd been slaving all day. But she was. But she prepared that meal. And Jesus had been preparing this meal for his disciples. He understood the historical significance of it. He understood the future significance of it. My question for you tonight, have you prepared 
your heart for God's work, for, the, for your heart for God to, have his, to do his work in your life? Are you actively listening what he says to you? I love this prayer of David where he says, Psalm 25, 4, he says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. He waits for him. And then as we are seeking God, we follow him. I love this passage in John, John 10, 27. Jesus says this, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. They hear my voice and they follow me. Isn't that beautiful? Folks, if we placed our trust in Jesus, we are his sheep and we want to follow him. As we continue in our worship tonight, please remain seated uh, and just reflect upon the words of this song as Kip sings. Church, having made the necessary preparations for the, the Passover meal, Jesus, he then gathers his disciples together to cast a new vision. And this new vision, he's now moved from the preparation, and he's now moved into unification. And his call to his disciples and his call to us is to be ready to partake together. Let's open back up into Luke 22 and pick right up where Brad left us off. Starting in verse 14, it says, And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So the hour of the Passover meal has finally arrived. And Jesus gathers his disciples and they recline at table together. Now this, this was a fairly common posture for such a meal. You see, the, the diners, they would, they would recline. They would be leaning on their left elbow with their, their face pointed inward, their legs pointed outward to create an intimate dynamic, a, a, a feeling that all attention is gathered inward on the table. And it's in this closely connected environment that Jesus affirms the importance of this relationship with his friends. Looking at verse 15, he says, I have earnestly desired, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And so at the heart of this action is Jesus' intense desire for fellowship. It's to celebrate a meal together that finds its, its, its roots centuries earlier. And it's to reflect upon, upon what God has done historically. And also to consider the things that God is going to do in the very, very near future. Jesus desires 
that these elements, this bread and this cup, which, which followed the ritual order of the Passover ceremony, he de- desires that these elements, that they would bring into focus the union that believers have both with God and that they have with each other. And so while the, while the relational aspect, while that peer-to-peer interaction, while that is of great importance, it absolutely pales in comparison to the significance of what Jesus is about to say regarding the Jewish tradition of Passover. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And so, with great emotion, Jesus has in mind the fulfillment of the ultimate consummation of his kingdom, the ultimate deliverance that is to come. As the meal itself points to the past deliverance, they they celebrate this Passover meal because of what's happened, the deliverance that the Israelite people have already experienced in the past. Jesus also declares of a deliverance that's to come. The pastor and, and Bible teacher, Michael Wilcock, he says it this way. He says, for the Jews, it meant the deliverance from Egypt into Canaan, but now it is to be filled with its full meaning. And from this year onward, from this very moment onward, it will signify to the people of God a deliverance of the profoundest kind. A deliverance from sin and death into eternal life. Moses' exodus will be fulfilled in Jesus' exodus. The name that we're all very familiar with, the name of Albert Einstein, He's famously quoted as saying, if you want to know the future, look to the past. And this quote is often seen, we see it played out realistically, we see it in our, our, our cultural styles and in our, our popular culture. I look, we look back and we see bell-bottom jeans and corduroy pants and, and wide-collared shirts were a trend-setting style in the 1970s. And then, for an entire generation, if not a couple... No one would be caught dead wearing those things. And yet, today, high-waisted jeans, earthy tones, mid-century decor is making a resurgence in the 2020s. You see, that that retro style, what it does is it it imitates or, or it defines itself based on a previous era, based on a previous style. And we see it everywhere in popular culture. We see it in graphic design and art. We see it in in vehicle design and styling. And we see it in in, um, uh, home furnishings. The goal is to call back a previous era and breathe new life into it by giving it a, a contemporary spin. And now, while I highly doubt Jesus was attempting in this moment to to be a trendsetter in maybe a new line of robes, what he was really going for was using the well-known practice of the Passover dinner to communicate the new covenant that he was establishing with his people. You see, when God's people gather around the table together for communion, we are joining with believers from the past, from the present, and from the future. And it's a celebration. 
It's a celebration of what Jesus has done on the cross. And that's why we gather this weekend on Holy Week to remember the work of Jesus during that time. But it's also a celebration of what he will do for us in the establishment of his kingdom. And this is why we often refer to the Lord's Supper as a family meal. Because it's the church practicing the union that we have both with our God and with our peers, with our community. So, as we continue on with the service, as Billy comes up and actually goes through the communion, and we, we take part in the communion together, church, I'll invite you to reflect on the fact that you are linked with believers across the globe throughout all of time. And so the preparations were secured the kingdom vision had been cast, and Jesus administered the elements and established a new covenant. Which brings us to our third and final point, point this evening, and that's identification. We need to be ready to partake of Jesus. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 says this. It says, and he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they'd eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus had taken two elements that were super common in the Seder. The word Seder, it means order, the order of the Passover. So he took the bread and the wine to focus on the union the believers will have with God through the new covenant. So the taking, the breaking, the sharing of bread, it's not just something that used to be done in the Passover. It's something that's still done today in traditional Passover celebrations. In verse 19, we see the whole Passover tradition dramatically takes a shift. As these Jewish guys see something established and it changed it forever as Jesus held up the bread and he said, this is my body. Now when Jesus said, this is my body, he was taking the unleavened bread, which means there was no yeast in it. The yeast represented the sin of the people. There was no sin in Jesus is what he was saying. Jesus is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. In John chapter 6, he calls himself the bread of life. Jesus held up the bread, saying that my body is like that of unleavened bread. It is bread with no sin. Then in verse 20, it says, And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Again, so much imagery here. The disciples wouldn't realize it till a little less than 24 hours later as the blood of Jesus came pouring down from the cross to cover the sins of all of humankind, giving us the new covenant. Now, I keep using that phrase, new covenant, new covenant. Why would I use the phrase new covenant? Well, because there was an old covenant that's why in the Old Testament book of Exodus chapter 24, we see a covenant made between God and his people, Israel. But what we see in Israel is we see a people who time and time and time again, they were unfaithful. They did not keep up their side of that covenant relationship. And so by grace, not by what we can earn, not by what we can do, by grace, Jesus fulfills what God's chosen people could not, the sacrificial death was payment for our unfaithfulness. And then in verse 19, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus presents the elements to his disciples so they can remember. And this evening, 
we pause so that we, we can remember. We remember the sacrifice. We remember the life. We remember the death. And we're going to jumpstart everything tomorrow. We will remember the resurrection. His body and blood on the cross to redeem sinners. Now, maybe you've never thought about it this way. But whenever we come together to participate in communion as a church family, we always invite not just members of Woodside Bible Church, but anyone who's a follower of Jesus, we invite you to participate. And yet, whenever we do that, we're inviting those who either have or will betray Jesus. We're like Judas, aren't we? In so many ways, we're just like Judas. Jesus invited Judas to that last supper, knowing that he would betray him. I think it's one of the most powerful images about that table. As Jesus sat at the table at the upper room, he knew that he was inviting one who would betray him. So we come this evening, all of us to the table, all of us at people who have sinned, who have chosen our own ways and not God's ways. Every single one of us come as betrayers, but we come as so much more than that. We come as people who have been rescued by Jesus. That's what we remember on this Good Friday. We remember the cross where we have been rescued. So it's our opportunity as believers to see, to taste, to experience, and to remember. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. At this time, one of our elders, Jim Gresham, will come and will pray for communion before we take. 